0: It's good to be back here with you all. I hope you had a wonderful time in House Churches last week, um, sharing some stories. And uh, I know that our group did. We heard from about four different people, uh, um, some of their stories. And um, as Faye mentioned, the power of the story. It is so powerful. You don't don't underestimate the value that your story has. And sometimes we don't tell our whole story, we just tell parts of it, depending on what the situation is, don't we? But I would encourage you to continue to tell your stories, because it's that what God is doing in your life is what brings hope, all right, for others. So uh, my name's Libby, if you don't know, I'm a um, community pastor here, I also run Celebrate Recovery uh, and um, a few community events during the week, so it's good to be here this morning and I'm excited because we get to talk about something to do with um, Mary and... Um, what God has done and how God has come and presenced himself here. But let me just first uh, pray, and I just want to um, acknowledge uh, what Faye said as well. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you that you are a God who goes before. And we're remembering Emmanuel, God, with us. And I know, Lord, that by your spirit you were with Faye as she went into that place. You prepared the way you also opened up the hearts of the people there and you used her story to do it. And so, Lord, I pray that as things continue, that you would just pour out more and more of your spirit on that land, Lord, that those Aboriginal people will know that they are loved, that they have value, that they are worthy of being on that land, of being in that place. And, Lord, I pray that um, as hearts uh, are comforted by you, God, that they will become stronger, that they will be able to share their story, Lord, and they will make a difference in that land. So we commit the work that's going on, the work with the churches, the work with the people. Uh, may you continue to be uh, show your glory and your um, blessing on that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to our Advent series. And as we head into the Christmas season, we're going to be looking at the story of God at the time when he came into this world, when he connected with humankind in a raw and real way. And he didn't stand aloof looking on, but he entered into the very heart of our world in all its brokenness and all its messiness. And we've lighted that first candle, the hope candle. And when we've been sitting in a place of darkness, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you sit in a place of darkness and then you light a candle, a certain amount of darkness dissipates, doesn't it? It disappears because of that light. And you know, when times are tough and when things are hard, we need to see a flicker of light and that gives us hope. That's when hope rises in us. Uh, One of the recommended readings from, um, for the Advent is this one, as Josh has said, from Kate Bowler. And um, it's, it includes things like, you know, making your Christmas wreath and, and some playlists and different things like that. But I wanted to read a little bit from her first. <clears throat> Advent is a time marked by waiting. We wait for God to make all things right, for justice to be meted out, for world leaders to make the right decisions. Could be making a long, waiting a long time for that one. <laughs> for wrongs to be righted, for our communities to be safe spaces for the vulnerable, for our earth to heal. We wait for our lives to get easier, for us to have the financial security we need, for our relationships to be restored, for our bodies to ache less. We wait for our parents to understand us and our families to feel whole. We wait for our kids and grandkids to be healed or come back home. We wait for grief to end. But the waiting of Advent is one marked by hope, The waiting of Advent is one marked by hope. We wait with expectancy, with anticipation for the inbreaking of God to make all things new. And yet hope can feel like a drug that must be carefully administered. Too much and we're setting ourselves up for disappointment or disillusionment and too little and we're freighted with despair. That's by Kate Bowler. Uh, Lots of good reflections to think about. I would encourage you to get an Advent thing. All right, our passage today is from Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 55, but before we read it, um, I'm going to bring you up to speed with what has happened. Now, the point of today's message is uh, I want you to see where you connect with the story. You know, we can hear stuff and it just kind of like goes over us, but I want you to find your point of connection. Okay, so Zechariah is a priest serving at the temple and he's married to Elizabeth and they've been unable to have children. They're getting on in years and past the childbearing age, but Zechariah has an encounter with an angel while ministering in the temple who tells him he's going to have a son, and he is to be named John. He's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah in him. Now, Elijah was a mighty prophet uh, and had the spirit and power of God, and he is going to prepare the way of the Lord. This is what Zechariah's son is going to be. Well, Zechariah questions and doubts this promise, which results in the angel causing him to be unable to speak. And this happened until after his son's birth. Everything happened as the angel said. Well, when Elizabeth was six months, his wife, Elizabeth was six months pregnant with this child, the angel comes again, this time to a young girl called Mary, who is engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who is a descendant of King David which is a very important fact. The angel tells Mary she has found favor with God and is going to bear his child. He will reign over Israel forever and will be called the son of God. Mary also questions, how can this be? But her question is not convince me. It's more, wow, that's incredible. How does that work? She then responds with, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. When God gives you a word or a promise, I would strongly re- recommend not questioning his capability to fulfill that promise. It <laughs> could be very silencing for you. <laughs> for both couples, there is a time of waiting. Those of you who have been pregnant or anticipated something, even looking for something that you've hoped for, you understand about waiting. So the sons Elizabeth and Mary were carrying, both have a special anointing on them. Both are miraculous events. One shouldn't have possi- been possible to get pregnant. The other one definitely shouldn't have been got pregnant. Um, but they hold hope. They hope that their child is going to rise safely and will be instrumental in freeing Israel from the oppression that they are under. For Elizabeth and Zechariah, there have been years of disappointment as they struggled to conceive. This would possibly have brought feelings of shame and inadequacy, certainly disappointment and discouragement. And yet they continued to serve God faithfully all throughout that time. It would appear that they had given up hoping for a child, but God had plans for them. The Bible says they were righteous in God's eyes. When we can't see it ourselves, God sees us. He sees your faithfulness. He sees your service in your heart. At just the right time, God executed his plan. The silencing of Zechariah could have been seen as a bad thing, but it ended up showing how amazing God really is. Sometimes there are sufferings and challenges in our own lives that we see as negatives, but if we're willing to learn from them and obey God, in the end we will see his blessing in our lives. It's not always as we expect, but in a way where God fulfills his purposes and plans for your life. I imagine Zechariah learned a lot in that nine months waiting for the baby to come. He certainly couldn't have a lot of, you know, conversation, maybe writing things down. Um, He certainly had no hesitation to confirm the baby shall be called John when the baby did finally come because he had learned that God was real and he was speaking to him. Even though there was no connection to the name John and his family, he didn't bow to the pressure of pleasing others the other people were like, what, you're going to call him John? Who's John? (laughs) Thanks, John, we know you're here. (laughs) Um, And God gave him back his voice because he walked in obedience, right? In fact, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he brought a prophecy which confirmed the roles these two miracle babies would play in the future. So not only did he get his voice to speak, God gave him something extra. The Holy Spirit came on, he brought a prophecy Obedience reaps reward. Find your voice. What about Mary? She was just a young thing learning what life is all about and preparing for her arranged marriage. When God entered her world, she still had so much to learn. And yet there was something about Mary that God found favor in. She was about to embrace a huge change in her life. Everything had been set for her. Her husband had been found. She was to walk the traditional path of marriage and having children. But sometimes our best laid plans get interrupted by God. And this latest news was certainly going to be a huge interruption and potentially quite embarrassing and shameful. How do you explain to people that you're pregnant but you haven't actually slept with a man? And back then, if you remember, adultery was a stonable offence. And we know all about having stones thrown at us from Tony's sermon. Maybe you have been accused of doing something wrong and people are talking about you, the looks, The whispers, the confrontations. Or maybe you are living with a secret you can't tell others and you fear what people may think if they knew. I can't even imagine what was going through Mary's mind at that time. Excitement maybe, joy, fear, anxiety. But she takes off to see her cousin Elizabeth. And as she's heard that, yeah, this miracle's happened to Elizabeth where she's pregnant, having a baby. Yay, someone who will understand all this weirdness. We all need a support team, don't we? When Elizabeth and Mary meet, the baby within Elizabeth leaps for joy in her womb. And Elizabeth prophesies under the power of the Holy Spirit. She says, you are blessed because you believe the Lord would do what he said. Elizabeth recognizes that Mary has been chosen for a special role. Mary's response was different to her husband, Zechariah's. Sometimes age makes us cynical and more independent. We look less to God because we're capable of doing so much ourselves. We follow a structure and a pattern in our lives and we forget to make room for the unexpected, the divine. We feel safe with what we always have had and is familiar. But here's Mary. She has no baggage, no entrenched thinking, nothing that prevents her from believing and trusting that God can do anything, even make a virgin pregnant. Sometimes we get caught up in worldly thinking, don't we? We listen to so many conflicting views and it's hard to make sense of everything. We start to doubt that God is real or that we are worthy of any special treatment. Does he really do what he says? And when the waiting becomes so long and laborious, we just want to give up. But if we give up, the baby won't come. If we stop pushing through the pains... When, they, when the pains start, we won't deliver. And the first pains are nothing compared to the pains near the end. Right, ladies? Waiting is hard. It is painful at times. It tests our patience, our resolve, our commitment to the cause. Another part in the Advent, it says, Hope in the face of impossibilities. Writer Barbara Brown Taylor says, Whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it all starts in the dark. We don't always know where things are going to go. We see things as impossible, but our God is a God of overcoming the impossible. Mary helps us see the possibilities in the face of those impossibilities. She responds to Elizabeth in our passage, and I've asked Amanda to come and read that. So, Leon, if you could just make sure this microphone works for her. Come up here.
1: Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on all generations will call me blessed For the mighty one is holy He, is, he, has, oh, he has done great things for me He shows mercy to the genera- uh, from generation to generation To all who fear him His mighty arm has done tremendous things He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble he has lifted the hungry with good he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands he has helped his servant Israel and remi- remembered to be merciful he has made his promise to our ancestors to Abraham and his children forever Awesome, give her a hand, well done. Thank you, Amanda.
0: Yeah, so Mary, in that passage, she's giving all the glory back to God. She sings his praises. She acknowledges him as her saviour. Sometimes when we're going through hard stuff, where things are uncertain, where we don't know what's happening, that is the first place to start. Praise God for who he is He's no longer a distant God, but has shown himself to Mary in a very intimate way. She thanks him for seeing her, for taking notice. I remember when I gave my first prophecy uh, um, under the Spirit of God. It was in a setting of much older and more experienced, mostly men, of God. And we were learning about the renewal of the Holy Spirit and how to access the gifts God had given. And in this setting, the Spirit of God came upon me. I was a young girl from a non-church family. It was scary and yet the most exciting moment in my life at that time. God had seen me and I responded. God also sees you. He waits for your response to him. Well, in verse 48, Mary acknowledges the good that will come out of the suffering, that all generations will call her blessed. This came true for Mary. She's highly honoured, particularly when you think of the Catholic Church. And she went from lowly servant girl to someone who would be talked about for generations to come. You cannot think about the baby Jesus without thinking about Mary, right, when it comes to Christmas. God also, see, hang on a minute. This only happened because she obeyed God and believed. And then in verse 49 we read, For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. Our God is a holy God. He's untainted. He's not affected by sin because he is without sin. If there is anyone to trust in this whole world, it would be God, because he is holy. He doesn't do things out of selfish selfish ambition or with deception. As people, we tend to serve our own interests. God only has our best interests at heart. He has done great things for me, Mary says. She recognizes the blessings of the Lord in her own life, his personal touch. We've just enjoyed Thanksgiving. Tina mentioned having a gratitude journal. There are great things the Lord has done in each of our lives. But sometimes we forget. By keeping a journal, we help our minds to remember the great things in our lives. Sometimes they come in very small ways, as Tina mentioned, like a bumblebee. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. To fear God is to give him that highest honor and respect. To accept that he is God and I am not. To acknowledge his great wisdom and power. He judges all things and he judges rightly. We don't always like the way things turn out, but God knows the best way, right? He shows great mercy. We often don't reap the punishment we deserve because of God's mercy. He pays the price instead. Verse 51, his mighty arm has done tremendous things, she says. Well, our God is mighty. Remember that song? Our God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's true. All right, good. Mary is still young enough to be in awe of what God has done throughout her generations. The stories that have been passed down from generation to generation remind her of God's mighty power to deliver and to save. This is why our stories are so important. When we see what God has done in our lives, how he has delivered us, he has saved us, he has helped us. Verse 51b, he has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. There are people in high places who think they have won over God. They think they can outsmart him and his people, but God will not be mocked. His word says the prideful ones will fall and the humble will rise to a place of stature. God sees our heart. He modeled through the way, that through the way of a humble servant, Jesus. As soon as we get up ourselves, we are likely to fall. When we become too critical of others and put down their efforts, that is when we ourselves are likely to trip up and fall. We need to maintain an attitude of humility in all that we do. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. Here Mary is reminding us that God will supply all our needs. He feeds us in more ways than just good food. We're not just talking about food here, right? He pours his love and mercy into us. He takes our stony hearts and he replaces them with hearts of love. He tells us how much we are loved. He restores our souls. We need to embrace him. Our God is a good God, he gives good things. And in verse 54 to 55, he has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors to Abraham and his children forever. God is a help in times of trouble, a merciful God who keeps his promises. Mary reflects on the stories of her people and the promises God made to bring forth a Messiah who will save his people. The angel has reminded her of these truths, and she is now the vessel God is choosing to use for this promise to be fulfilled. How exciting and what an honor Mary responds with obedience. Through this song of praise, Mary is giving all the glory back to God and reminding us all that God will always come through. He will never fail us. He is the reason for our hope. The flicker of light is about to become the morning star, full of light to dispel the darkness. The depth of God's love is about to be tested. He has given his one and only Son, to be the saviour of the world. We're going to remember that soon. How do we respond? With scepticism like Zechariah or with humility, obedience and wonder like Mary? The good thing is the sceptic became an obedient believer. Maybe you have lots of questions. Maybe you have been asking God to prove that he's real. God has already provided all the proof. Every Christmas we are reminded that he is the light and the hope of the world. All he asks is for us to believe he is who he says he is. Christ came to dispel the darkness, to bring hope to a world that struggles to find its joy. Our joy comes from an attitude of gratitude. Did you know that? A response of thanksgiving to an amazing God who loves us. The more thankful you are, the more joy you will find. The Magnificat, which is what they call Mary's Song of Praise, was in response to Elizabeth's acknowledgement that Mary was truly carrying the Saviour of the world. It's like, pinch me, it's true, right? That she was blessed among women. Elizabeth confirmed that to her. That moment was full of joy. Elizabeth's joy at, at what had happened, the baby within her leaping for joy, and Mary responding with praise to the God who made it all possible. What a moment. And maybe hold on to that joy this Christmas season. Don't get lost in all the rubbish that comes with the season, the shopping and the long hours and everything else. Hold on to joy. Giving thanks and acknowledging all that God has done in our lives. He truly is the hope of the world. So like Mary, let us praise him, acknowledge him, trust him, remember him. Fear him. Humble ourselves before him. Embrace him. He will restore your soul. Obey him and love him. The one who entered our darkness and brought his glorious light. This is our God. Let me pray. Oh, Lord, we are just so blessed that you have chosen us to be your children, that we are part of your family, Lord. And I thank you, God, for all the wonderful things that you have done in our lives throughout the years. And even in the darkness, Lord, you were still there. And Lord, in the waiting, you are there. Because, Lord, you know what it is that we need. You know how much we need uh, to experience, to, to be able to obey you, to see you, to feel you. And, Lord, I thank you that you do not abandon us. You never leave us or forsake us. And help us, Lord, to continually have our eyes lifted up to you and see that you are our hope, Lord. There is no other. And so we pray uh, your covering and anointing on us, Lord, in this season. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're going to now take communion. So... And this, again, just as we do this, I wonder if you would just um, consider where you fit in that story and some of that praise, that magnificat that Mary declared. Whereabouts in it are you at the moment? You know, Are you struggling in a waiting period? Are you in a suffering time? Are you in a joyous time? Where do you sit? And as you come and take the communion this morning... Just give it back to God, whatever it is, thank him. Let him carry the weight of whatever it is that you're carrying and uh, allow him to comfort you by his Holy Spirit if that's what you need this morning. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the pouring out of your blood, Jesus, and and the body that was broken. And this morning we remember you. You tell us to remember you. And we remember what you have done for us. And we remember that you have made a way So whatever we're going through, Lord, whatever circumstances we are in, you make a way and we will come through. May we come out of the darkness into the light. In your name, Jesus. Amen.